Our scripture reading is found in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Let us hear the word of the Lord. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brought of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with, the, with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this Sunday is known in Advent um, by the term Joy Sunday. So what a strange scripture to hear on this joyful Sunday. John calling the people snakes, talking about separating the wheat from the chaff and cutting down every tree that doesn't bear fruit and throwing it into the fire. Where's the joy in all of that? Well, we'll find out, but first let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, come and be with us in this time of worship. Open our minds and change our hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts combined be pleasing to you, O Lord. You're our rock and redeemer. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, one time, the great Leonard Bernstein, musician, composer, Conductor of the New York Philharmonic was asked, what's the most difficult instrument in the orchestra to play? And he replied, second fiddle. Isn't that the truth? How can anyone pour their heart and their soul into anything they do, knowing that they're just second best? Only the finest musicians get to sit in that first chair, but any musician knows that the only way an orchestra can make great music is by the efforts of everyone combined. Even the second chair or the third or the fourth, it doesn't matter, have an important role in that final composition. Second chair, that's that's the role that John the Baptist was called by God to fill. Not that he was second choice or second best, 
But God chose him for that role for a specific purpose. And John said it himself, as recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 30. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And John, of course, is referring to Jesus, the one who is coming. The role of second fiddle is not an unimportant one. It has a significance as, as a supportive role, just like all the positions. Ask any leader in any organization. They depend upon those in lesser roles to give 100% support to the overall effort. So just like an orchestra, whatever harmony is playing depends totally on those who are playing it. God raised up John the Baptist, son of Zechariah, to a supportive role. Now, John was an ascetic, and that means that he practiced a severe form of discipline, focusing on just one thing, really, the forgiveness of sins and repentance. John kept to himself, for the most part, out in the desert, but he was still a fiery preacher who didn't mince his words. He called them as he saw them. He said, everyone is sinful. doesn't matter who you are. Sinful. Think of all those that came out into the wilderness to hear what John had to say. The, the affluent, the wealthy, the powerful, the homeless. The people that lived on the fringe of that society. And so, like a corded lash... John's words cut deep into the souls of many who came to listen to him. And John painted two distinct pictures of the judgment that was to come. He mentions the threshing floor. And that would have been recognizable to most, the chaff being separated and blown away from the grain as it was, as it was knocked loose, and then the chaff being burned in the fire. And then the axe lying at the root of the tree. Those trees that didn't bear fruit, right? No fruit, nothing, no life. Cut them down and burn them. These were really horrible images in the eyes of the judged who who trekked out there into the wilderness only to find that theirs was a future of apocalyptic doom. Unless they heeded John's words. In that day, when John the Baptist lived, one was considered in good standing with the church if you just simply paid your dues and then went through the motions of faith and worship. But not so, says John. No, nothing like that. You have to walk like a child of God, not just look and, and talk like one. You couldn't just rely upon being a descendant of Abraham as a substitute. No, you had to live the life of Abraham. 
When I read about John the Baptist and his role in, in preparing the way for Jesus, I, I think about our world today. I think about all that has gone wrong. The tragedy of school shootings, the injustice of police shootings. And during this Advent season, I wonder about the organized smash and grab robberies that are plaguing the retail industry. I'm amazed at the poor behavior and the fighting on airplanes and in airports. And I question the motivation of the behavior of our, our so-called political leaders. But what frightens me the most is that we seem as a society to have very little that we can agree upon. That's why we need John the Baptist in our Advent experience this year. Because in his story, believe it or not, we can find joy. We can find a joy that is ours for the taking if only we can see it. It's, our, it's all in the perspective that we hold. So what was the result of John's preaching out there in the desert to all those people? What did they ask him? They said, what then should we do? They asked him for his advice and John told them three things. First, to share what they had with one another. Second, to be honest. And finally, to be content. Essentially, what John meant was to live a life centered on humility, justice, and mercy. John's prediction of, of Jesus clearing the threshing floor and gathering the wheat into his granary isn't a threat. No, it's a promise. A promise. John asked, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? It's a valid question, but perhaps a bit misleading. Because you see, the world isn't technically coming to an end. Rather, Jesus coming marks a transformation of the world as we know it and that's what's ending the world as we know it so maybe a better question to ask would be what will this new world look like and will we be able to recognize ourselves so what is ending is the way of life for those that John called snakes, those vipers that, that John called out of the crowd, a world that forces billionaires and people starving to death to live side by side. That's what's coming to a close, a world that creates vast wealth and power as a reward for evil. That's ending. A world where half-truths and outright lies deceive everyone and the most sinister of all, an apathy that paralyzes our thinking and causes us to just go on as we are, all of that will end. 
John's idea of the life that, that flows from the baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins is the good news life. Even as the world is ending, it is a lifestyle of integrity, of generosity, and gratitude. Those are the qualities that we can share right now. We all can begin this good news life immediately. We don't have to wait. Right now, today, we are to share what we have so that everyone has what they need. That's John's command. We are to do business honestly and without working the system so that others are manipulated and forced to give us more than we deserve. And we are to be content with it all because what we have is God-given. We don't have to flee from that wrath to come because if we live the good news life right now, then we have nothing to fear. So most everyone who, who studies scripture finds it helpful to know some Greek because most of scripture is translated from the Greek. But for the rest of us, and especially for musicians, we need to know some Italian. That's right. In this world that is ending, in this world where we are to be an example of the life to come, we need to know some Italian words, like adagio, when we need to slow down and pay attention, and allegro, when we need to react fast, and fortissimo, when we need to be bold and, and very loud, and pianissimo, when we need to speak softly and kindly and with compassion. Speaking that language of music is not to worry about playing second fiddle, but to be in harmony with everyone, just like a choir, just like an orchestra. You know, we all have important roles to play in God's kingdom. And like musicians, we have to pay close attention to the director I learned many years ago that one thing you need to do in order to sing with a choir is to learn to stay on your part. Mine was bass and occasionally baritone, but for the whole group to harmonize meant listening to all the other parts, to have that ear, and to watch the director for the instructions that are so important when to come in, when to hold that note for just a second longer, when to breathe. Life is like that. To live as God created us, we need to pay attention to the director. Let us pray. Loving and merciful God, order our minds and soften our hearts as we continue our Advent journey. Bless our lives that we might come to know the hope that you give through the inbreaking of your Holy Spirit 
Allow us to embrace our Advent joy and prepare ourselves for the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.